Welcome to Secure Freedom Radio. This is Frank Afney, your host and guide for what I think of as an intelligence briefing on the war for the free world. A man who has been waging a very important part of the battle space, uh, important service to our country, is my colleague at the Center for Security Policy, Kyle Scheidler. He is the director these days of our Homeland Security Project and a great resource on matters involving, uh, well, among other things, um, enemies foreign and domestic, um, Marxists, Islamists, um, assorted others that are similarly intent, it seems, on taking our country down. He has uh, written extensively on these subjects, contributed, among other things, to uh, Unmasking Antifa, Five Perspectives on a Growing Threat, which he edited for the Center for Security Policy Press. It's good to have you with us, Kyle. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Frank. It's always a pleasure. Well, it's particularly important to do so today uh, because this, of course, is the anniversary of the so-called insurrection in Washington, D.C., one year ago today. Um, tell us what your thoughts are on the characterization of what went on there as an insurrection, Kyle. Well, first and foremost, Frank, I think we need to be aware of the reality that absolutely no one has been charged with insurrection that day. No one has produced any evidence that any of the participants were engaged in a plan to overthrow the government of the United States uh, or were advocating for the same. Uh, And this is despite, you know, hundreds of arrests and charges on a wide variety of things, ranging from assault on a police officer to trespass. Uh, Certainly, a lot of it was unpleasant. Some of it was violent. There were criminal acts committed and criminal charges should be filed and should be dealt with in the way that we normally deal with these things. Uh, But one of the interesting things, Frank, is how different it has been dealt with in this case. When you compare it to the uh, 2020 summer riots uh, for the George Floyd protests where um, charges are dropped, uh, cases aren't made, people aren't charged. Uh, and, that's in a ca- I mean, and that's in a case where you have individuals and groups who actually are publicly advocating that they intend to overthrow the government. A so real insurrection, really- in other words. Yeah, a genuine insurrection, uh, as expressed by none other than those who committed uh, committed the acts. And so that's the distinction between the 2020 riots and this incident on January 6th. And yet you have this absolute fascination in the media uh, with this day uh, because it allows them to push uh, all of their favorite uh, bugbears their narratives. If it were just the media that were doing it, I think it would be one thing, Kyle. But of course, as we've seen in the course of the day, um, we have had a tremendous degree of amplification of this false narrative by political figures uh, from the president on down um, and are going to see uh, Shortly before this program airs, uh, a candlelight vigil, I I think some of which will take place on the Capitol steps and perhaps others elsewhere, in which, you know, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are going to be uh, featured prominently uh, decrying what happened. And this isn't to say that uh, there aren't things to decry. It's simply to say that it will be in the service of what seems to be, well, political warfare. 
Well, I think that's exactly what it is, Frank. Let me give you an example of just how cynical some of this is. Uh, one of the events organized for today was a candlelight vigil by a group called Movement Catalyst. And that group is led by a woman named Liz Butler, who is the co-founder of Shutdown DC, which is an Antifa-linked protest group uh, that openly spoke about their efforts to oppose uh, Trump if he should win the election. Uh, and they held a this was prior to the election. They held a briefing and training program with professional anarchist Lisa Thithian, where she talked about how to occupy federal buildings. And so these are the people that are going to organize the candlelight vigil about how sad we should be uh, because of the protest on January 6th. These people are professional protesters. They're professional agitators. A professional insurrectionists, one might even say, or revolutionaries. No, I think that's absolutely right. And and Kyle, the cynicism, uh, not to say the hypocrisy, is is uh, is made the worse because um, apart from your good self and a few of us, there's nobody holding people accountable for such duplicity, uh, such uh, um, a, a a wanton uh, contempt, really for the public that um, they expect they're not going to remember what they previously had done or really their background more generally, let alone hold them accountable for it. And that, that goes back to something that you talked about earlier. Isn't it incredibly corrosive to public confidence in the rule of law in our country and therefore sort of conducive to the objective of taking down our country, taking down certainly our institutions and presumably in due course the government itself, that we're watching um, such disparate treatment uh, between, well, for example, those who were involved in the so-called Summer of Love riots in 200 cities across the country, causing billions of dollars, I believe, worth of damage and some loss of life and uh, harm to police officers and all the rest. And by contrast, the way some of the protesters um, uh, or people simply attending, uh, trespassers, as you say, um, have been handled uh, in the uh, D.C. jail at the moment and for the better part of a year now. Yeah, I think that's right, Frank. The hypocrisy is, is one of the major problems with this whole issue, and it's having a tremendously negative effect on the country and the country's national security as a whole. I mean, just recently, Rasmussen Reports, a very reputable polling firm, sent out a, a notice that they did a poll where large percentages of the country, including about two-thirds of Republicans, almost half of independents, and 30% of Democrats polled, uh, all agreed that the FBI was acting as Joe, uh, Joe Biden's Gestapo. That that specific term was used in the question, Gestapo. It's unbelievable. That's right. So you have a federal law enforcement, which is burning its credibility at a cyclical rate uh, by a, uh, you know, uh, its credibility for a public that has long traditionally loved the FBI. They've loved federal law enforcement. They've always trusted them. And they are destroying that trust uh, because they are engaging in a politicized process where they aren't treating everybody the same based on their politics. When you have uh, a Bernie Sanders supporter who, sh who shoots up con congressmen on a baseball field and gets labeled a suicide by cop, uh, and you have a, you know, a violent uh, protest where some people get arrested, and that's called an insurrection. 
pe- people in America realize that you're not playing fair and you're not uh, you're not calling balls and strikes. Well, and again, the the it's not to suggest that there wasn't any violence, but uh, it seems as though the vast preponderance of the people who are now being accused of um, wrongdoing connection with the 6th of January 2021 um, were in fact uh, guilty of going into open doors in the United States Capitol and uh, by and large conducting themselves as though they were on a sort of private tour of the place, Um, certainly not trying to overthrow the government or for that matter trying to uh, upend a process that was underway in the Capitol at that time. Um, Kyle, speaking of the FBI and what it's doing to um, its credibility, I I wanted to ask you about reporting that Tucker Carlson and uh, Darren Beatty and our Center for Security Policy, your good self, and Mike Waller, notably, Senator Ron Johnson, uh, have been doing over these past few months uh, to ferret out um, evidence that the FBI may have had an involvement in this event. Um, informants, uh, even agents, apparently some of whom were um, handlers for people who were texting them from inside the Capitol, um, presumably among the leading edge of the provocateurs there. I, and what are we to make of that? Is that is Have I correctly characterized what we know at this point? And if so, what does it Suggest Well, I mean, I think it's notable that the people who are actually most interested in getting to the bottom of what actually happened on January 6th and who organized the actual violence are on the right. Uh, Tucker Carlson, as you mentioned, Darren Beatty, they're asking very serious questions about some of these individual provocateurs who were spotted, in one case, explicitly calling for people to go into the Capitol the night before. And the question is, why haven't these people been arrested? There are so many people who have been charged and tracked down and exposed and arrested. And some of these individuals who appear to be playing a leading role in the actual act itself are the ones who haven't been arrested. So there's a serious question. What are these people doing here? Why haven't they been arrested? Why haven't they been charged? What is going on? Uh, you know, a a prime example of this, I think, is this fellow Ray Epps um, was captured apparently on um, you know the security cameras over uh, two days, uh, the, the fifth as well as the sixth, repeatedly hectoring people to go into the Capitol. This is a guy who was for a time, as I understand it, prominently featured on the list of people the FBI was looking for, and now they're not so interested in him. And and neither has he been prosecuted, uh, nor I gather his uh, electronic devices seized or in any other way uh, subjected to the kind of um, scrutiny, uh, let alone prosecution, that others have. Well, you know, Frank, uh, Representative Tom- Thomas Massey uh, from Kentucky, asked Christopher Ray about that incident that you're referring to with Epps and, uh, and about uh, what role, if any, FBI informants played or were present uh, at the event, and he refused to answer. 
Now, I don't begrudge the FBI the use of informants. In fact, they probably should have had somebody in the crowd that day. But what role were they playing? They, they ought to be able to answer those questions for oversight committees. And if they're not willing to do it, that makes me very concerned. This is, uh, a, again, Darren Beatty has been on our program, among other places, talking about um, the parallels between alleged conspiracy to kidnap the governor of Michigan, participation of some 12 FBI agents as well as informants in a conspiracy of about 26 people, as I recall, that if uh, a similar model was applied in this instance, and by the way, as he's noted, uh, the guy who was uh, the FBI agent responsible for monitoring and ultimately breaking up that so-called conspiracy in Michigan was, uh, as soon as it became public knowledge, uh, promoted to run operations in Washington, D.C. I mean, Kyle, again, this is so corrosive of the kind of confidence that we want to have in both the rule of law and those who are responsible for enforcing it. It's, uh, it's hard to overstate implications of it. It's, it's potentially disastrous, uh, Frank, in terms of uh, how uh, we as a country defend ourselves from all manner of threats, which you, know, you and I, foremost among them, agreed need to be dealt with. You know, and let me give you another example, the example of the attack in Garland, Texas where the jihadis handler uh, from the FBI, who has literally followed them to the event, had texted for them to, quote unquote, tear up Texas. And now, fortunately, that was that was dealt with by local law enforcement and security at the uh, at the location. But is that another example where the FBI was allowing uh, terrorists or, or, or suspects that they were monitoring to go? Uh, as far as they pleased and maybe a little further uh, and not doing anything about it. Not stopping it is the key point. Yeah. Hey, Kyle, before we have to break, let me ask you one other question that I put to Darren Beatty. And um, he said he had not researched it. And I, I don't know whether you've had a chance to or not or have any gut instinct on it. But what seems clear now is that there was plenty of warning that something was afoot in the run-up to the January 6th event. Um as you said earlier, not evidence that Donald Trump was cooking something up or that his supporters were necessarily, but that others um, had uh, malevolence of some kind in mind. Um, I heard that uh, there had even been a report that uh, there was uh, a warning that there may be weapons of mass destruction involved. The question that I have is, if that information was in the hands of federal authorities, is there any chance that it wasn't shared with the Congress, specifically, of course, the Capitol Police, but presumably the leadership in Congress as well. And if that's so, and that seems to me to be a reasonable expectation, if that's so, how could it possibly be that the Capitol wasn't on high alert, that there weren't extra personnel deployed to protect the buildings of the Capitol and, and uh, the office buildings of the Senate and House. And, and, and actually, as Darren describes it, um, there was a somewhat lessened degree of, uh, shall we say, readiness on the part of those charged with protecting these facilities. I mean, it just doesn't add up um, unless there was, you know, a certain malign purpose here. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm not sure about the specific you're describing, Frank, I know that there was an article that uh, Newsweek published about a number of FBI units, uh, very highly trained uh, elite units that were deployed on January 6th 
in preparation for the kind of trouble you, you mentioned, including, you know, weapons of mass destruction or what have you. Um, <clears throat> there definitely appears to have been some kind of communication breakdown or uh, refusal by the FBI to share anything it knew or thought it knew uh, with other elements of the government, including the Capitol Police. Uh, but it's also a question of whether the Capitol Police and the leadership of the Capitol Police, including notably the uh, folks like Nancy Pelosi herself, uh, what role they played in in not uh, taking the necessary action to ensure that the event was secure. This is precisely the point, and, and I know we don't know the answer at the moment, but um, let me just close with a quick question to you, Kyle Scheidler. Um, do you think that the January 6th Select Committee in the House of Representatives is going to be pursuing that line of questioning? Absolutely not. If anything, the January 6th Committee exists to ensure that uh, Nancy Pelosi and, and the other people who are responsible for capital security uh, never get asked any difficult questions about uh, what they didn't did or didn't do. Well, it falls to us and, and others like Tucker Carlson and Darren Beatty and uh, uh, our colleagues uh, at the center and elsewhere to uh, to try to make sure that these questions are put and I hope answered uh, thoughtfully and accurately uh, because it, it will shed light very importantly I think on the true character of this um, falsely depicted insurrection and Kyle we appreciate so much the work you do in this regard among others keep it up come back to us again soon if you will. Robert Charles is in the house virtually next we'll talk with him a bit about uh, his take on all of this and more.